Amen, 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 and amen. I, I just need to go ahead and let you know right out the gate, right now, I'm fired up this morning. I'm ready to go. Worship was awesome, but really just this whole week, I've been thinking about this moment, looking at you, preaching the Word of God today, and i got to go ahead and say I'm coming in hot today, all right? I'm coming in like turned up to 10, ready to go. I'm fired up, and here's why I'm fired up, because I believe that this is a time for us to go on the offensive, okay? This is not a time for us to be shrinking back. This is a time for us to be leaning in to all that God has for us in this season. I mean, even looking at the book of James, it's this letter that just puts Christians on notice, right? That says, hey, this is how you need to be living. This is the standard that you need to be. Uh, if you profess Jesus as your Lord, here's how we need to be acting. And so I love that we get to apply this verse to our lives today. And I just want to say that I, I, I come against anything in your life right now that would begin to tell you that somehow you're getting a less than experience from God. That somehow that, that God is inaccessible to, in your life right now. Because here's the deal. The enemy wants to be able to uh, get all up in, in your mind and in your emotions and in your feelings and let you believe that you can't experience God the same way as you can uh, in a building uh, at church. Can I tell you something right now? God is with you. He's right there. As I'm speaking to you and as we're connected via internet connection, God is with you. His presence is for you. I believe right now that, in, that, that people who are watching right now are beginning to feel the presence of God. I believe that there's people right now that are beginning to feel just a warmth, a peace coming over them that they haven't felt all week long. And if that's you, I want you to go ahead, put these hands together right here, okay? Go ahead and stomp your feet a little bit. Come on, move around. Listen, we can't get apathetic or inactive. We got to be active and moving and, and, and pursuing all that God has for us in this season. And I just believe, I believe that we are in some of the best days. That's crazy, right? That's craziness. I believe that God is refining his church. He's refining us as Christians. And what's on the other side of that? Oh, it's gold. It, it's beauty. It, it, it's a refined bride. That, that Man, there are things that we're going to step into that, that God has prepared for us. That there's just levels of his presence. And there are people who are going to come to know God through you. I just believe it. And I believe it's true. So we've been talking to the book of James, right? This letter. And uh, I want to go ahead and just give you right up from the, from, from the get. Go ahead and give you, here's what we're talking about today. Chapter 3, we're talking about taming the tongue. And I'm going to add in the thumbs. We need to tame the tongue and the thumbs. And then we're going to be talking about having wisdom from above. There's only one wisdom that we need, and it's God's wisdom. All right? So those are the two things. How are we going to get it? By getting closer to God. Right? So if you want the cliff notes of today, there's some things that you're probably saying, there's some things that you're typing that you probably want to go ahead and, 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 and take a step back, put the pause button on, think on a little bit before you start talking, before you start typing. And there's some wisdom that you need, and sometimes you may feel like it's wisdom, but it's really earthly wisdom. We need to get a hold of God's wisdom. And the way we're going to do that is by getting closer to God, by growing in relationship with Him, by, by taking steps every single day to get to know him, right? So there, boom, that's the message right there. That's the sermon. If you want to go ahead and log off, you can. Don't do that, all right? Stop right there. Don't you scroll away. But that's, that's where we're going. I, I'm, no surprises today. 
And so here's what I want to do. Uh, to get us started, we're going to go ahead and just read James chapter 3. All 18 verses, all right? So let's go ahead and kick it off. So starting in verse 1, let's go. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Can I just tell you, as I was preparing the message this week, I was like, oh man, that's a tough reminder. (laughs) So we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. And, and just to let you know what, what James is kind of saying, like, man, if, if you can say everything perfectly with your mouth, man, your whole body's in check. Everything's good. He's pointing to the power of our words, of what comes out of our mouth. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships, for example. Although they are so large and driven, driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. It's a little bit discouraging. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we also curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. James says, my brothers and sisters, this ain't it. This should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Again, he says, my brothers and sisters, can a fig bear, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And so that's our first part, taming the tongue. And then we go into the second part about godly wisdom, wisdom from above. So it says this, James asked the question, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is three things. It's earthly, it's unspiritual, and James even says it's just straight up demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven, it is first of all pure. Before anything else, it's pure. Then it's peace-loving, it's considerate, submissive, it's willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruit, it's impartial and sincere. And he ends with this statement, and I just, I love it. This is like one of the best ends of a chapter he just says this peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness it's incredible so if you're thinking with me today all right if you're anything like i was this week preparing for this message if you're asking this question mark anthony is today's message going to challenge me 
Let me just say right now, absolutely it's going to challenge you. The whole book of James is just like one big challenge, right? Um, I've heard the book of James described this way. A beautifully crafted punch in the gut, right? That's how it feels. It's like, man, James, just this incredible job articulating these incredible words. And the whole time, it's just like, ow, like, wow, put me on notice again and again. And so chapter two that Pastor Mark preached, that was already in my business, like already all up in everything I had going on. And so as I prepared to teach on chapter three, I kept thinking, I was like, man, this ain't going to be a sweet message this week. I can't just preach one of those sweet, like, oh, everything's nice and happy and we're going to sing Kumbaya at the end. Um, not this Sunday. And here's the deal. The direct challenges and conviction that the letter of James uh, brings is honestly why I like it so much. And I remember when I graduated high school, I had uh, uh, met a mentor that summer and I was meeting with him and, and, and the book that he challenged us to read over the summer was the book of James. And I was excited. I was like, oh, cool. We're going to go through this book together. It's going to be great. I read the first couple chapters. I was like, oh, no, this is going to be hard. I'm going to be challenged. And so we just kept using each chapter of the book of James as a benchmark to be able to say, hey, where are you at with this? Where you, how can you grow in this area? How can you mature as a believer? Can I tell you something? It's not enough just to say a prayer. It's important that we say that prayer, that we give our lives to Jesus, that we surrender. We have that moment where we dedicate our lives to God, but it's just not, it, we, we can't stop there. There's a maturing process that God wants to take you on. At Christian Renewal, we tell people we want to take you on a spiritual journey where four things happen, that you would know God. And that's that moment that I was talking about, that prayer, where you just make a heartfelt prayer that says, God, I, w- I want to know you, not just about you, I want to know you in my heart. But we, we won't allow people to stop there. We're going to keep challenging and keep creating opportunities for you to do three more things. The next one is to find freedom. There's things in your life that you need to let go of. And then there's the next one, discover purpose. There's a reason why God placed you on this earth. He has a work that he prepared in advance for you to do. Yes, even you. And the last one is that you would make a difference. And that's honestly the best part. When you can seriously look at somebody and say, man, I made a difference in their life. Not for my credit or not to boast in myself, but wow, God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, would use me to make a difference in someone's life. All for his glory. It's incredible. And so, just to give a little bit of context of the book, it's a book of James, or a letter um, uh, from James. And James, as we've talked about, he's a brother of Jesus. Technically, if we're being technical, he's the half-brother of Jesus, right? Um, because Jesus was born, conceived through the Holy Spirit and Mary. And then after that point, uh, uh, Joseph and Mary, they began having uh, children. And so James is one of those uh, brothers of Jesus. And so uh, this is also just cue in, not, not the James who was one of the 12 disciples, right? Um, James is one of the inner circle, uh, Peter, James, and John. Uh, not this James. This is Jesus' half-brother. And so after Peter moved on uh, from the early church that was started in Jerusalem, he went on to start some other churches. And so James rises as a leader of this church in Jerusalem. This is all after Jesus has been resurrected. And so um, this is considered like the mother church, okay, in Jerusalem. And it's mostly made up of Messianic or you could say Christian Jews. These are Jewish people who would come 
to believe on the name of Jesus Christ, to believe the gospel of Jesus, as opposed to Gentiles, um, people who were not uh, Jewish who began to uh, believe Jesus. And so in the 20 years that James led this church, they experienced a lot of struggle. There was a famine in the land, there was poverty, and they experienced a whole lot of persecution from Jewish leaders. And I don't know about y'all, but I think we can relate to some degree uh, just that, you know, uh, there's a lot of struggle going on. And uh, so James is, is no stranger to struggle. And he writes this book, and, and James was seen as a pillar within this church. Many knew him, would have known him as a peacemaker and a leader, just a, a wise leader in his time and someone who had courage and someone who was ultimately killed because of his faith in Jesus. He was a martyr. So this letter contains, it's like the legacy of James's wisdom. And it's five chapters of just powerful instruction. And he's, he's, he's not, James, what I love about this book is he's not just like addressing problems uh, within like a specific church like Paul does. You know, like Paul like writes like, okay, let me go ahead and put the Corinthians on notice real quick. Like Galatians, like I'm coming for you guys next, you know, like, oh, Ephesus, I'm going to get to you as well. You know, like just checking on some things and, you know, uh, James isn't doing that. And he's also not even profi- like uh, providing like some profound th- new theological information either. Right. Uh, we look at the book of Romans and man, Paul just lays out this, this incredible theology. I mean, can you just imagine for a moment Paul walking around with all of that, like just in his brain, you know what I mean? Just like, like, oh, I got to get this on paper uh, to Romans. And he just starts whipping out the book of Romans, that letter. And uh, it's just incredible. James is it. He's not talking to a specific church. He's not introducing like new theological information. James is simply rehashing the teachings of Jesus, specifically the Sermon on the Mount. And he's touching on the book of Proverbs, the first nine chapters. I mean, there's nothing like mind boggling about the book of James, but it's simple and it's powerful. And I believe it's what we need to be applying to our lives today. And I believe James is challenging you and I to live a life wholly devoted to God. Anyone listening to me, to me today say, man, I, I want to live a life that's sold out to God's way. Not my way. Not the world's way. God's way. I want you to declare this with me. Say it. I know you may think, I'm not going to say it out loud. I want you to say it out loud. Say this with me. I want to live completely devoted to God's way. Now that you've said it, like you're kind of mumbling it and just kind of going along with me. Now I want you to say it, declare it, say, I want to live completely devoted to God's way. Awesome. I'm glad we're on the same page today. All right. So like I said, chapter three, two themes. We can divide it into taming the tongue. Like you better watch your mouth. Anybody ever been told that? Like anybody's mama ever told them like, you better watch your mouth, right? Man, mom says that, all of a sudden you just, you better shut it down. Anything that comes next can be used against you in the court of mama's law, right? Um, so whenever mama says you better watch your mouth, you better watch your mouth. And James is kind of saying, hey, we need to watch our mouth. Um, and so we got taming the tongue and then we got wisdom from above, God wisdom, true wisdom. 
And so James, the first 12 verses in chapter 3 is where we're going to be looking at the tongue. We're going to hit this, we're going to go to wisdom, and then we're going to end, alright? So, the first 12 verses, this is like the longest discourse on the tongue, or on our words. There's all sorts of things that James is referencing that he's calling attention to that were said before, like in Proverbs. Proverbs says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, right? Uh, Jesus says, out of the overflow from the heart, the mouth speaks. But James takes 12 verses to really drive home this idea of our words. So unless we have an encounter with God, here's what I want to say. Because this can quickly turn into like just religiousness so fast. Unless we have an encounter with God, we can't tame our tongues. We just can't do it. We have to have the Holy Spirit working within us. And that's part of what James is saying. Um, Anybody ever uh, said something that they wish that they could get back, right? Like the words are like escaping your mouth and you just wish that you could like, no, come back to me, get back in my mouth. I wish I could rewind and do that over again. Like you just know, like maybe you're at home and uh, maybe, you know, your wife asks you something and you just sort of quit back real quick, maybe out of like a little bit of anger. And you wish that you would have taken that, you you wish you would have just hit the pause button. And I'm sure there's some teenagers that maybe said some things back to mom and dad. It's like, ah, wish I wouldn't have said that. It's hard to tame the tongue. And, um, you know, I heard a story about a man. uh, His wife was traveling uh, 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 across Europe. And so she had stopped in Italy and she called her husband to say, hey, I've made it to Italy. So while she was there, she asked, hey, how's my cat doing? She loved her cat. The husband just said, without even thinking, he said, oh, the cat's dead. And she says, oh, no. Why? Oh, my goodness. Why would you tell me that? Like, you've just ruined the whole rest of my trip. And the husband thinking like, what? The cat's dead. You know, I just, you know, what did I say? And she said, no, you've ruined my whole trip. Why, you know, he's thinking, what could I have done differently? She says, you know, you could have just said, you know, oh, the cat's on the roof. And then when I made it to Paris, you could have told me, oh, you know, the cat's playing out in the yard. And then when I got to New York, you could have said, oh, you know, I was just petting the cat today. And then when I landed in the airport, you could have given me a really big hug and then said, honey, the cat died. But now i got to go through my whole trip knowing that my cat is dead. So there's a, a long pause, and the husband's regretting what he said. And then the wife says, well, how's my mom doing? The husband says, well, she's on the roof. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. You can laugh at that. That's okay. There's just times where we say things that get us in trouble, Right? And uh, we wish we could take them back. And so it's important that we tame the tongue. See, Psalm 141 verse 3 says, Help me, Lord, to keep my mouth shut and my lips sealed. Anybody need help from God just to say, Listen, God, I need you to keep my mouth shut. I need you to keep my lips sealed, right? You know? And so here's the thing about the tongue. It's powerful despite its size. And it has incredible influence for, for being something so small. Um, think about the influence that your tongue has. At your home, 
uh, in your relationships, your friendships, in your marriage, um, with your spouse, you know, at your job. Come on, I'm sure there's somebody watching today that maybe at some point in your life, you might have got fired for something that you said. You know what I mean? Like, you had just had it that day, and you went and said, listen, I'm not holding back any longer. This manager is about to know how I really feel, and you just let it loose, right? Um, so, uh, there, there, is, there is power in our words, and James is, is really wanting to drive this home. That there's, there, there, as the proverb says, you can truly, you have the power of death or the power of life in the things that you say. I believe you can change the environment of a room just by what you say and by your words. It's why I wanted to start off this message today with words of life and encouragement and hope and belief because I believe that we can change the environment that you're in right now. Maybe you're feeling downcast. Oh, your soul. And that's okay. We're not talking about changing circumstances. We're just talking about changing our, our perspective of our circumstances. And so maybe there's some thoughts that you're thinking, some things that you're saying, some self-talk that's going on that's negative. And God wants you to begin to line up with what He thinks about you, what He says, what he says about you. You can change the environment of a room. You can change a relationship with the words that you speak. I think about my son. I love it when I get to come home to him and I just look at him in the face and I say, I love you, son. I love you. I'm so proud of you. You're my best friend. You're amazing. You're so smart. You're so kind. You're so handsome. And just like the countenance over him is incredible and then he'll say it back oh i love you too dad you're my best friend and then i'm done i'm like oh jesus you know what i mean like i like fall out right there in the moment you can change a relationship the environment of your home by the words that are coming out of your mouth and if you think about it i so desire to speak incredible truths to my son How much more does your Heavenly Father want to speak words to you that would bring life and bring power and set you free? Think about the the negative, right? I hate you. I don't like you anymore. Don't call me. You make me sick. Right? These words that just kind of like create such a negative atmosphere. So the tongue is powerful. The tongue is also directional, right? You know, we look at James 3, verse 4, and James is talking about the, how such a small rudder compared to the rest of the ship can turn the ship. And so our tongue is powerful. It's directional. It can really shape the direction that we're headed in. And the last is that a tongue can really be a spark, right? James talks about how You know, you can set a whole forest on fire with just one little spark. And so you may be thinking to yourself like, oh, it's just a little word. It's just a little opinion. It was just a little joke. Just a small comment. Oh, I just made one little Facebook post. It's just a little tweet. We need to be um, putting some of the things we say under a magnifying glass and really analyzing them a little bit better before we hit send, I believe, through a text message, through a Facebook post, 
Um, we don't just need to tame our tongues, but we also need to tame our thumbs, I believe. And I would say that in the year 2020, it's almost our thumbs that are giving us more trouble than our tongues because, let's be honest, there's some people that will say a whole lot more audacious things behind a computer or behind a phone than they will say face-to-face. It's maybe the problem is that we don't talk enough face-to-face. That there's things that you may say, like, I disagree and I hate you for this, but if we were having a conversation one-on-one, maybe different because we can see each other's humanity. But when we begin sharing things, you may think, oh, it's just a meme. It's just a, you know, it's just a meme. You know, maybe that thing that you're sharing is, a, is offensive to somebody. But you think, oh, no, I, I believe this and this is right. And, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my opinion uh, known uh, because I'm right and they're wrong. And I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. And there's all this negativity that goes back and forth and everybody's hating on one another and there's just all this stuff. And I believe James is just saying, if James was like on Facebook today, he would just put like one big status, reply all, like <laughs> to, to whom it may concern, brothers and sisters of the Lord, this should not be. This bickering, this arguing, this strife, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be that as believers of Jesus, and I'm talking to Christians right now, all right? Because some of you may be agreeing like, yeah, there is a lot of bad stuff out there on the Facebook. And there is a lot of negative things out there on the internet. I'm not talking about stuff that's being posted by somebody who's, who's an unbeliever. I'm talking about stuff that's being posted by Christians. Because James is talking to Christians. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get us to see that, that we are to be held to a higher standard. That the things that we consume, the things that we engage in, it's important. I believe James would say, brothers and sisters, this shouldn't be. He says, out of the same mouth, we, we praise God. We show up to church and we sing songs and then we leave and we curse people. People who were made in God's likeness. Who was made in God's likeness? Humans. All of them. Made in the image of God. So anytime we are speaking slander, uh, we, we, are, we are talking down and negative, gossiping, lying. We are attacking the image of God when we do that. And so the antithesis of that would be, the opposite would be, I'm going to build up the image of God. So I'm going to celebrate the image of God. Here's, here's This may help you. Because part of your, your struggle with, with words could be just, man, just disagreeing with someone, right? Like, I just don't like them. Like, they make me mad, and then I start saying things that get me in trouble. Here's what I want to help you. A, a goal that I've set in my life is, does not matter all the disagreement. I want to find the one thing that I agree with somebody on, and I'm going to give it 1,000% of my energy and my effort I may agree with somebody on one thing. We, we may, the only thing we may agree on is that we both like the same restaurant. And if that's the case, I'm going to talk to that person about that restaurant and as much as I possibly can. I'm going to ask them, hey, you want to go eat at that restaurant together, right? Like, I'm going to go all in on the one thing that unites me instead of being so focused on all the other things that I disagree with or I don't like about the person. And I believe that in doing that, it changes my perception of the person to where I'm able to say things to them and about them because the words that a lot of times get us in trouble are the words that we say about people when they're not around. 
So it changes the words that I say around, about people when I, when I can view them differently. View them as made in the image of God. I'm going to find the thing that I agree with them on. And so James is talking about, man, what a terrible contradiction it is for us as believers to walk into church and praise God, but then go out there and just, you know, uh, tear people down and, and, and be divisive and, and, um, and respond out of emotion and, and, and get angry with people and, and slander other Christians and other humans. And so as a Christian, this cannot be because the nature, verses 11 and 12 of, of James chapter 3 are looking at the nature of something, right? The nature of what, like, think about the nature of an apple tree. It produces apples. So what is the nature of a Christian? It should produce good fruit, right? should be peace-loving. And so we have to ask ourselves a question. Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if the mouth is saying things that are in contradiction to the Word of God, then have we really been changed? Have we really been made anew in Christ Jesus? Have we allowed the Holy Spirit to truly sanctify us, regenerate us into a new human that operates in a new paradigm? Has my heart really been changed? And here's the deal. It's not just about, oops, I said a swear word. Stubbed my toe, I let it slip. Oftentimes we can look at taming the tongue as like, oh, I got to stop. I got to try to stop cussing, right? We're not talking about, you know, just not saying a swear word. It's about the nature of your being. It's asking the question, do I need to repent? Do I need a change of heart? As Christians, we have a huge responsibility over our words. And here's the deal. We can't get thrown off by the word that James uses in chapter 3 about being perfect. Because it can also be translated as mature or complete. It's the same word um, used in James chapter 1 verse 4 for the person who develops patience through trials, right? So James isn't saying that people who control their tongues are sinless. In fact, he, he says at the very beginning that we stumble in many ways. We all do. What he's getting at is the one who avoids stumbling in speech is, in his estimation, a mature believer. It's not that they're without sin. It's not that they're perfect. It's just that you can get a good gauge of where somebody at is in their maturity, in their completeness in Christ, by their speech. Psalm 19.14, David says, may, may, the, may my spoken words and my unspoken thoughts be pleasing even to you, O Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. So can we tame our tongues? I'm going to say this, not in our human strength. Because, listen, if we're just left to human devices, like earthly devices, like to, to tame this tongue, we might as well just go ahead and just, just snip it right on out. Just go ahead and just cut it. It'll be painful, but it'll save us a whole world of hurt. If we're going to try to do it outside the Holy Spirit, might as well just go ahead and cut it out. I don't want anybody to do that, okay? So, so come back from your kitchen, put the scissors down, all right? Stay with me. We're going we're gonna to look at how the Holy Spirit can really help us do this. James chapter 3, uh, verses 13 through 18 is, is our wisdom portion, all right? So we've, we've, we've gotten through our taming the tongue and thumbs portion, and now we're into our wisdom portion. And James starts out um, with this question. He says, who is wise among you? Not who's smart, 
whose knowledge, who has, who, who, who has a lot of knowledge, who has a whole bunch of degrees from university, he's saying, who's wise among you? Let me bring a distinction. Knowledge can build a house. I can build a house with knowledge. But it takes wisdom to build a home. Think about that for just a moment. Knowledge can be found in plenty here on this earth. Wisdom comes from one place. It's from God. Wisdom, James says, it's shown by our lives, right? If we look at verse, verses 13 and 14 and 15, he's, he's, he's kind of shown us that wisdom, it really is less about talking and it's more about doing. He's echoing back to chapter 2 that we talked about, you know, faith without works is dead, right? That you should be able to see the wisdom in somebody by their deeds. So, um, I heard a commentary put it this way. It said, I can attain a consistency in my orthodoxy which surpasses others. I can gain a reputation for my thorough grasp of theology and be regarded as a protector of the faith. And my teaching may still be earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil, resulting in disorder in every evil practice by stirring up suspicion, slander, distrust, and contention within the Christian community. If we want to be mature believers, it isn't just about how much orthodoxy and theology we have. That is important. But if we have all of this, but we engage in slander and distrust we, we stir up contention amongst our fellow believers within the Christian community. The, the wisdom that we're preaching is earthly and spiritual and, and it's of the devil. And I don't want to stand up here to you today as, as a teacher, as what James says, is, is there's a high accountability and stir up any sort of divisiveness. We want to be united. So when James is talking about wisdom from below, he goes to verse 14, right? So if we look at verse 14, man, the heart is the seat of both wisdom and envy. And, and those cannot dwell together. You can't have both. James is, is attempting to help us see the difference in wisdom from above versus wisdom here on earth. That this wisdom, right, uh, here on, on this earth, if we go to, yeah, it says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom doesn't come from heaven. So think about it for a moment. Is there bitter envy in your heart? Are, are, are the choices that you're making uh, from a place of selfish ambition? Verse 16, you know, think about, Think about your life. Think about what's going on at home. Where are you right now? Think about your relationships. Is it earth wisdom or is it God wisdom? Is there, here's a good marker, is there disorder of every kind? See, it's okay to admit that, man, yeah, maybe, maybe I've really linked up with some things that just aren't the gospel. They're not Jesus. They're not wisdom from above 
we're all coming to the same hospital, right? Like, we're, we all stumble in many ways. So it's okay to admit. But let's not stay this way. Let's, let's not just stick around in the year 2020, all right, and just bicker and argue and throw words around and, and talk about how I'm right and you're wrong and I know all the facts, your facts are wrong. Let's take some steps to find some real freedom. And my challenge of all of us in this chapter is that we would mature. As believers of Christ, it's imperative. Are we truly changed or are we stuck in some of the same cycles? Because true wisdom can be found only by people who live in an active reliance upon God. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that appears to be right. It looks good. It seems okay. Seems like it adds up. But in the end, it leads to death. So that's why we need to know, what is the wisdom from above? What is God wisdom? And we need it. The wisdom that is from above, it is, it is, first of all, it's pure. So above all and before all, wisdom from God is pure. And this refers to holiness, right? Um, John Wesley would love this. It's, it's holiness. James has been setting a high standard for us in his letter all along. And he reinforces here a call to be pure. And pure doesn't mean perfect. We're not pursuing perfection, but we want to live with integrity, right? So the question is, will we choose the wise thing, not because it is popular or makes us look good, or, but, but because it is right, holy, and pure in God's eyes? And here's the deal. Here's where integrity comes in. Can we be open and honest in the times where we get it wrong? That's wisdom. I see wisdom in people whenever they are able to say, you know what, I didn't quite get this right. Like, I kind of messed this, I, I blew it. I want to give a shout out. I feel like my dad has done the best job at being a good example to me in that life. I've heard him say it. Man, I, I, blew, I blew that one, son. I, I, I messed that one all up. And he's not afraid to admit it. He's, he's, he's not afraid to be vulnerable and just say, hey, I, I, I messed that one up. And that, to me, is wisdom from above. Because it's someone who's saying, I'm yielded, right? I, I'm after integrity. I'm not after appearing, you know, right and like I've got it all together. He goes on to say, peace-loving, considerate, submissive. These first three, talk, after we talk about that wisdom is pure... These next, uh, uh, ser- this next series, the first three, peace-loving, considerate, and submissive, describe someone that is teachable and able to learn from others instead of trying to abstain st- obtain status or power or trying to be heard, trying to be seen as right. It's someone who's willing to yield. And so we need to be someone that's not hard to approach. Um, there, there's those of us men who need to be okay with admitting our weaknesses, admitting the times where we fail, Right? Dads, let's not be anyone, let's not be an example to our sons and to our daughters of, of someone that, you know, can't, can't be, uh, uh, told any differently, right? Like, I, I, I'm, I'm dad and what I say is, is, is it, right? There's a place for an authority as a father, but like I, like to, to go back to my relationship with my dad, one of the most beautiful things about relationship with my, my, my dad is that, 
He's given me the space for us to be able to talk with one another, right? And especially as me as a young man, he's able to talk to me. And there's, there's been times where, you know, he says, man, son, like, thank you. I, I, I love getting to see it from your perspective. And what an empowering thing that does for me to be able to look at somebody who I respect, who I view highly of, and be like, wow, like they actually care about what I have to say. That must be a wise person. But arrogance says, I, I've got it all figured out. I, I, know what, I know what's right and I know what's wrong and you're not going to tell me. Wisdom says, I, I'm, I'm, I'm first of all peace loving. I am um, I'm considerate. I'm thinking about other people. And I'm submissive. And that may feel like a weird word to say, but it just means that you're willing to yield. You're, you're willing to say, hey, like, the floor is yours. I don't, I don't have to be right. And so, the next he goes on to say, you're full of good fruit, right? He's pointing back to earlier in, in verse 12 of chapter 3, right? To this whole idea of, 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 of producing the right fruit. Someone who is producing the right fruit. Um, and then he says, you're full of mercy. This echoes back to uh, what we talked about in James chapter 2, verse 13. That mercy triumphs over judgment. And then we're also reminded of James 2 when he says, man, this, this wisdom from above, it's impartial. And it's, and it's like sincere. It's not hypocritical. It, it, you know, it doesn't wear a mask. It doesn't change uh, with the environment. It's steady. It's constant. It doesn't change when, when I'm with this person or when I'm, you know, with someone else. It, it's, it's impartial. It's, it's sincere. And so you, here's the deal. Let's go ahead and take a pause for a moment. All that we've talked about, talk about taming the tongue, uh, and, and then this whole list even of what wisdom from above is, can we just go ahead and say that this is hard? And you may be thinking like, man, Mark, that's just about near impossible for me. If I'm, you know what I mean? Like, and it's okay to level. Like, man, this is hard. I can't do all of these. Because these go against our natural inclinations, right? Here's what Paul says to the church in Philippi in chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. He says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if there be any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, he says, I want you to value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you looking to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And so James ends chapter 3 by summarizing everything and saying, here's the deal. Peacemakers who sow in peace will reap a harvest of righteousness. We now see why James is so troubled by the disorder of earthly wisdom because he's connecting peacemaking with righteousness. So when there's disorder, there's unrighteousness. So you, you see where he, he says, listen, there's disorder and all sorts of evil with earthly wisdom. You don't want it. What you want 
is godly wisdom and it's a peacemaking wisdom and there you'll find righteousness. And there's a beautiful lesson here is that the opposite of disorder is not some sort of moral tame order. It's greater than that. James is calling all of us to, in light of disorder from human wisdom, to be peacemakers. That the opposite of disorder is a peacemaking, godly wisdom. James wants peace for the church because it's it's only within peace that righteousness can truly flourish. And I have to apply this chapter and this last part right here to our current cultural climate. As I see earthly, unspiritual, and straight-up demonic wisdom increase in our day, the counter to that by those who profess the Christian faith can be at times. I'm not trying to say everybody. I'm not trying to step on everyone's toes. But I have to call attention, as James does, that, that too often our responses as Christians have the tendency to be arrogant, selfish, disorderly, and judgmental. And it's not righteousness. It feels like righteousness, but it's not. It's self-proclaimed rightness. We're, we're mistaking rightness for righteousness. That if I think I'm right, then somehow I'm, I, I'm righteous and the people I, that we all think alike are somehow righteous. I'm right, you're wrong, and here's a link to an article that proves it. Right? In the political arena, as one side becomes more liberal, the other side is becoming more conservative to the point where it's every bit earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And as, as Christians, it, it's all, we have the opportunity to choose to not get into this mudslinging fest, right? What we say and what we type is important, and wisdom from above is pure. It has integrity, and it loves peace, and it considers people. It considers where they're at in life, and it's willing to yield, and it's submissive, And it's full of mercy. It's willing to forgive. It doesn't have to cast a judgment against somebody. And it has good fruit. And it's impartial. And it's sincere. This wisdom produces humility in its evidence by good deeds. Am I in anybody's business this morning? I hope so. Because this has been in my business all week this week. And I can't shake it. I'm asking the worship team to come up. I can't shake it. 2020 is an important year. And it's a year to sow peace. So that in the months, in the years to come, we can actually reap a harvest of righteousness. So i got to ask this question. Are you sowing peace? In your speech, in your, in your social media, in your actions, in your relationships, at work, in your homes, with your kids, with your spouse... Our jobs as Christians is to be peacemakers. And I'm asking you to embrace godly wisdom and character so that it can bring about a light, a peace, a hope, a joy, a healing to our world. At some point in your life as a Christian, we've got to get on board with the mission of Jesus. It's not enough to play church. And there's a disruption that's happening right now. And I believe if we'll lean into this disruption, Jesus is willing to say, hey, let me onboard you to my mission, all right? You've been going about it your way, but it's time to get on God's way. 
We got to let go of the wisdom of the world. It's not enough. It's going to leave us empty, divided. It's, it's going to leave us uh, hurting. Glynn County needs people who will commit daily to making peace. I don't got to be right. I just got to serve God. I just got to obey Him. I just got to trust Him. I just got to get in His Word. I just got to keep praying. I just got to keep pursuing Him. It's, I don't have to get everything right. I don't have to have all the knowledge in the world. And I love knowledge. I mean, y'all, I, I research things. I love reading things. But it's not enough. It'll never be enough. I've got to lean into what God's wanting to do. I've got to make peace. I've got to be teachable. I've got to be humble. I've got to show it in my life. I've got to get control of this mouth. Because I just want people to know God. At the end of the day, church, it doesn't matter if we're right if people don't know God. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. Matthew 5, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they're children of God. Matthew 5, 16, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's a pretty high bar. Jesus and James are setting a pretty high bar. I'm setting a pretty high bar for myself and for you today. And some of us could spend the rest of the year just focusing on taming our tongues, right? Just on that one, this one part. It might take a vow of silence for some of us, right? So how can we do this? How can we tame the tongue? How can we have wisdom from above? I think it's found in Psalms 111, verse 10. Read this with me. Ask the question, how can men be wise? Is it by going to church? Is it religious practice? How, how can men be wise? And the answer is this. The only way to begin is by reverence for God. It's about getting close to God. You want to be like God? Get close to Him. The wisest decision I've ever made in my life is giving and surrendering my life to God. The wisest choice I'll make today and tomorrow is to get close to Him. So the wisest choice you can make is to, to give your life to God. But the wisest choice you can make every day after that is to keep getting close to Him day by day by day. So how can we be wise? How can we be peacemakers? It begins with getting close to God. You've got to spend time with Him. I'll go ahead and say it this way, right? You've got to get off of the Facebook and you've got to get in the book, the holy book, the Bible, it is time for us to spend more time with God, more time hearing His voice, His wisdom, than the wisdom of this world. i got to get His principles working within me. And next Sunday, we're starting 21 days of prayer. And you may have never taken 21 consecutive days to pursue God in prayer. See, prayer is just connecting with God. It's talking to Him, and He loves it. God loves it when you pray. 
And maybe you need to plan this week to commit next Sunday joining us for 21 days of consecutive prayer. This could be the difference maker in your life right now. This could turn everything around for you. This could be the thing that said, man, 2020 was going this way, but then I decided to get real. I decided to go all in. I wanted to, I, I, I realized I need some wisdom. I need to be wise. And I saw that the only way that that was going to happen, it's not by sin management. It's not, it's not just, oh, I'm going to get on the right accountability plan. That's all important. But if we're not getting close to God, we're missing it. It's the fuel that we need. We can't live the life James is challenging us to live without being close to God. Colossians 2, this is my prayer for you. This is my prayer. I'm going to say this prayer, and then we're going to sing a song. So I want you to stay. I, I, don't go anywhere, all right? We're, we're finishing this up. I want you to stay till the end. Don't log off. Keep worshiping with me, all right? Keep leaning in right now, because I want to pray this scripture over you, and then I want you to worship, okay? I want you to sing praise to God in light of what we've talked about today. I want you to put words of praise on your lips. Colossians 2, I'm praying this over you. Just receive this. Receive this. I want you to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want you to have complete confidence that you understand God's mysteries. And what's God's mystery? You thought, hearing all of this, that you've got to be all these things. That you've got to work hard. Ah, back on the treadmill. No. Here it is. It says, this is found, God's mystery, it's found in Christ himself. And in him, in Christ Jesus, lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So the secret of everything we've talked about today, it's found in Jesus. It's not about sin management. It's God redeeming you, you getting close to him, and God using you to redeem all of creation back to Genesis 1, back to harmony with our God. Pray with me. Before we sing, pray with me. Oh God, we need you. We've locked ourselves into religion and into rightness, God. But Lord, we desire to step into righteousness, Lord. God, we want to be peace lovers. God, we want to be submitted to you and to your plan, God. Father God, we want to reconcile others to you, Jesus. We want to bring unity to others, Jesus. We want to be close to you, God. Would you help us, Father God? Would you help us to bring unity where there's disorder? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Some of you, you're listening right now, and you've never known God. Like, you're somehow on this stream today, and you're just listening, and you've never known Him. You've maybe gone to church. You've maybe uh, uh, got a head knowledge of him, but you've never known him in your heart to be able to say, I have a relationship with God. Not a religion, but a relationship with God. 
If that's you, well, here's what I want you to do. As you're listening right now, I just want you to go ahead and pray this prayer with me. You can change everything in a moment. You can make a heart-filled prayer right now that sets your life on a completely different path by saying these words with me. Come on, I want you to say them with me. You can look at me right now to say these prayers. Say it with me. Say, I believe that Jesus died for my sins, for the things I've said, for the things I've done. I put my hope in him. I put my trust in him. I yield everything to God. God, come do a work in me. Come save my soul. Renew my mind. Put your Holy Spirit inside of me. I want to get close to you, God. And I want to know you. I want to be in relationship with you. Come on. If you prayed that prayer, that is the beginning of your journey of stepping into relationship with God. And I celebrate with you. Go ahead and let us know. Comment. Message us. There's a link where you can fill out a connection card and tell us that you gave your life to God. We want to celebrate with you.